Hello, Doug. Hello, Karen. Good evening. Good evening, and uh, happy pre-Halloween to you and all of our listeners. What a bizarro Halloween, huh? What a, what a, yeah, a different kind of spooky chill is in the air this year. <laughs> <laughs> it's, the, the, it's, it's the fear, oh, COVID. I mean, and, and what else? What's next, really? How are you guys doing? And I, I mean, like, everybody's numbers are going up. Yeah, we anticipate, like, some sort of new lockdown. Oh, really? Probably. You think it's coming? Like, maybe closer to the holidays. Yeah. Great. But you know what? Part of the problem was when summer came, everyone was like, screw this, we want to leave, we don't want to quarantine anymore. So maybe if there does have to be a higher order to, like, either shelter in place a bit more or whatever comes down, by that time it'll be December, January, February, and people will be like, I don't want to go outside anyway, so it's fine. Yeah, maybe. I kind of feel like everybody moved here. Oh, do you? Because I yeah. feel like everyone came back. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Well, I guess the ones that didn't come back moved here. I feel like most of the people I hear now saying New York is dead are walking the same streets of New York as I am. So I don't really, yeah. I don't, I don't see what they're seeing with their it's, like New York is definitely not dead. Glasses. Right. I mean, I know that I know that um, you know our the fucker in the White House. I can't <laughs> even call him that that word. Um, no, I I, I try the to the P word. Use yeah. Can't call him that. Um, he he's uh, he. I, what's he been saying? He's been saying New York is is um a ghost town. No 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 no. That you guys are. It's like lawless land or something. I don't know what the hell he's talking about. He did. Yeah, like a couple I of mean, weeks. He's ago, such was, like, a he's New such York, an idiot. Portland, like we're the big riot, like the big riot. Oh yeah, where the activist like the events have been happening. Yeah, the protests and all that craziness. So yeah, he was talking about it being like law like i don't even remember what the word was but it was like it made you guys you know, sound like you're in like a version of like that people who yeah who no i mean i think the only thing you could say is if you were to walk through times square it's relatively desolate compared to what it has always been but if you go anywhere well, else especially nice. <laughs> yeah i mean if i had to walk through it now it would be nice I mean, like, in a creepy kind of way, you know, but still rather nice. I mean, there's still activity going on there. There are still people who live near there and are going about their way. There are still some businesses that have opened. um, But by and large, a lot of the stuff hasn't. And obviously all the theater that's around there has not. But but if you go anywhere else, like, it's just as active as it's ever been. Are the costume characters still there? I want to say no. Again, I haven't walked through How do you get rid of them? Uh, I mean, I guess they're sheltering in place. I guess so. No more Elmo. No more Spider-Man. No more Spider-Man. No more Elmo. Thanks, Dad. No more Minnie Mouse. I'm surprised there hasn't been an article about Where's the Naked Cowboy. Oh, my God. That's a great article. Oh, breaking news. My fiancé, whose best friend does work in Times Square and does commute in, says those guys are still around. So, Really? Asked and answered. Yeah. Oh my god, I kind of feel bad. Like they're out there like working for nothing. There they ain't nobody there. I don't know if it's their choice. God bless them. So, hey, we're talking about season 5 episode 14, The Accidental Doctor. That's correct. 
I'm not sure what I felt about this episode. Like, I felt oh, like... I can already tell you are sure, but continue. I felt like we were making progress from where we were an episode or two ago in terms of the insufferableness of the episodes. Like, I'm like, okay, we're, we're not in season four territory with this. I feel very good about that. But it's still not... It's still not. It's still not put to rights, Doug. Yeah, I don't disagree. I have a couple things to say, but I'd uh, rather weigh in after we go through each of the storylines. Um, but, but I don't disagree, and I think that where we were just last week, because we were, you know, like there was some momentum being built up. It was right before the holidays. They always tend to be a little bit more exciting, and then they sort of just dropped what they had been building up. At least this week, but. Uh, memory-wise, I don't know that, like, next week automatically puts things back in gear. Right. Um, so are we, so we're post-holidays at this point, so we're into January when this correct. originally aired? Okay. This was, like, January 6th, 1997. Okay, so we have a little bit, oh my god, 1997. So, I was a senior in high school. I was in my second year in New York. Aww. I know, so I don't... The lawless land that it is. The lawless land, yes. Um, I don't know that I had a TV then. Mm. I might not have, because I was 97, right? Oh my god, no, I had just finished grad school January of 97. Oh, congratulations! Thank you! I was working at Elle magazine as an intern, and I was about to go start a job at Ladies Home Journal, which was terrible. Mm. Yeah, did not like my editor. Um, but still, that's what, yeah, 1997, 97 was a crazy year. I was not watching Melrose Place. No. Otherwise, you would have known. Yeah, but I feel like I watched episodes when Lisa Renna came back, like came maybe, on, but maybe it was later. Maybe they were later. Maybe they were later episodes. They must have been because I don't feel like like any of this is ringing a bell for you. And I feel like some part of it would had you watched it when it aired. But I kind of remember that Chad Lowe was on this and I kind of you remember too? like, yeah, like there are things where I kind of remember things. Like I'm kind of like, oh yeah, Chad Lowe, he was, he was on Melrose Place. Like I kind of, but, but I still don't a hundred percent remember this. Or maybe I remember, when did Chad Lowe marry Hillary Swank? It was right around this time. It was I around, think, maybe that's what the, the but, ringing in my ears is? I don't know. But, the, but I don't think anyone knew who Hillary Swank was at this time. I don't think it was until she campaigned for Boys Don't Cry that people were like, and she's married to Chad Lowe. I feel like, she, why do I feel like she got married after? And I, anyway, I always thought it was a weird union. I don't know. And I don't mind the sidebar because I think it's important to talk about. I always thought they seemed like a fit. I like them together. And I always hated that they, that marriage, which ultimately ended, but they were married for like almost a decade, that it seemed to be defined by like, that she didn't thank him in the Oscar speech. I always thought that was very unfortunate and kind of shallow. But, um, but, but this is how we live. I don't like her as an actor. I don't think she deserves the Oscar. Well, now we have to, now we have to dig in and, and forgive us, <laughs> listeners, but um, do you not like Boys Don't Cry? And would no. you, do you know of someone that you would have given it to? Or you just no. didn't? No. Like? 
I just, she's just one of those actors that kind of, I just don't square with. Like, I'm just like, yeah, no. And like, the thing is, I like the movies that she does, right? Like, I really liked Boys Don't Cry. I really liked um, the one she did uh, with Al Pacino. Million Dollar Baby? Oh, Insomnia. Insomnia. I actually loved Insomnia. I think that's a great movie. Just don't like her. Which, like, is so, I know it's so weird, especially since so much of these movies are her, but I don't, I, I didn't even see Million Dollar Baby, because I don't really like I mean, her. that movie is a lot of her. Yes, and I, so I didn't even see that. So, um, so, yeah, I'm not a fan. I don't think she is a particularly good actor, and I don't understand why she got an Oscar. And I think it was maybe the material more than her performance for that yeah i mean i think it's true especially boys don't cry the material for sure but i think she kind of nailed it however i mean i think you don't have a gifted thespian in hillary swank but most of what she's done the roles that she's won the oscars for have been very dependent on a very specific kind of physicality and that's where she excels she's really disciplined she will do whatever, like working out, dieting, like waking up at 4 a.m. to drink these like protein shakes, whatever she has to do to look fit and convincing. And that's basically what a lot of those two roles required. But I do think that I think the boys don't cry is kind of a watershed. And I always thought she was great. Yeah, I see. No, I don't. I but mean, I she think... was I mean, she was I felt like she was serviceable. She didn't take certainly didn't take away from the movie, but I felt like the movie was better than her. Yeah, we disagree. But I will say, I mean, I think ultimately her career is where her career was always going to be, Oscars or no Oscars. Yeah, which is weird to think about that, right? Like she had the, she had, a, she got this Oscar, she got all of this acclaim. Or had, did she have two Oscars? Or yeah, because she also won for Million Dollar Baby. She did. She did win for Million Dollar. In that Baby. rare so group, there's about ten Oscars. or eleven actresses with two lead actress Oscars, and she is one of them. And she's totally kind of off the off the map. Like she's really not on the radar anymore. Right. So she was on this Netflix show called Away that just got canceled um, or not renewed, however they coin it, with her and Josh Charles. And I didn't see it, and I'm not going to see it. So you won't hear about that on Hollywood Boulevard anytime soon. But <laughs> um, but she does fit into this podcast because. In late 97, she was on a season of 90210. I, I kind of maybe remember that. It's I funny because it. when people try and talk about 90210 and they talk about the show's cast, they include her because, as, as kind of the show's big success story in the end because she was able to move beyond it and went to Oscars. But she was only on for almost half, two-thirds of a season. In you know, in one storyline with uh, the Steve Sanders Ian Zeering's character, um, so she she was like a special guest star. She wasn't even like a top billed cast, right? She was in the opening credits, and oh, she was in the opening credits. I okay. think fan reaction was such that they didn't like Steve being in a monogamous relationship, especially one with a single mother. Her character was that, um, and they wrote her out. I think that was I think that was all it was. And, but oh, I'm I remember thinking, that. Yeah, I remember that. So you that. may have watched that. But I'm thinking that her association with the Spelling Universe may have come as a result of Chad Lowe's. And I don't know this, but that's just what I think. Well, it would make sense because he was but in the was Spelling Universe yeah. around the same time. So it would right. totally make sense. Or maybe they met because of the Spelling Universe. Um, possible. I feel like I had read how they met, but 
this is 20 years ago, so I don't remember. I know. We, we, our memories are hazy. Uh, oh, hey. 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 Where are we? So, so, so I have notes. I am glad you do. I, I actually took a few, but they're really like, it's like five, and it's like mostly like, ha ha, LOL. But so. here's the thing, and I have one note that is similar to that, where I, I will read the <laughs> notes verbatim because I think they tell a better story than maybe the show did. But okay. um, we can kind of breeze through these, in my opinion, because there's not a lot going on. There's just a lot of little stories not accomplishing a ton. Let's breeze. You know why? Because I you're think talking. our Hollywood Boulevard is going to be hot. I think you're right. So I think, I think you're right. So wait to tease that up. Yeah, <laughs> I'm here for you. To to, to borrow from a, night, a late 1990s phrase, I think it's going to be hot. Mm-hmm. That's hot. It's hot. That's hot. Okay. Um. So okay, we start. We left off. Amanda has kicked dumbass Peter to the curb. Yes. Um, and now, we pick up out last episode. I know they kind of split up, but I didn't realize because now she's dragging his shit down to Michael's. Well, and it's only she one changed box. the locks and she told him it was over. And I think that's a pretty oh, fair right. way to the say she kicked were him changed. out. I forgot yeah. about that. The locks were changed. Okay. So I don't know how much time has gone by. It may be a couple days. It may be more than a week. Um, but Peter has found some other place to stay. And Michael is still living at Matt's even though he's with Megan and Megan has a home. Where is uh, Peter staying? Is he staying at Matt's? Like, where is he? Nobody, no, like he's, that... not, he's not at Matt's. I don't know if he's in a hotel. They haven't said. They, I thought homeless? at one point they were going to tell us. I don't think he's homeless because he because looks he fairly well-groomed. I know, but yeah. he doesn't have any money. He's broke. He Maybe showering with gems. But it, I think it's one of those things that matters until it doesn't. Okay. When it's a story uh, continuity error, I think it's something that only you and I catch. Okay. Anyway. So Amanda in a loud red pantsuit goes over to <laughs> goes over to Matt's, where Matt is not, because Matt is with Dan, and we'll talk about that soon. But but Michael is there. She gives Michael a box of Peter's belongings. And Michael is trying to put Peter and Amanda back together because it's like less stress for him if they're together. But either way, you know, they're like they're hemorrhaging patients and they have no money. Um and he's like, well, Amanda must be a good sign. You only have one box of Peter's things, so maybe you do want him to come back. And um, and and she's like, it's too late after everything he's done. Uh, and she walks away. Now, all this time, Taylor has been standing outside her apartment on the second floor, eavesdropping on the conversation. And as Amanda walks away, she goes, did you get all that, Taylor? Yeah, I loved I'm that. Like, that was like the best nice, part of the whole episode. Nice but here's the thing. Like, it's a shit or get off the pot situation. At this point, Amanda is onto Taylor's intent if she's not onto anything that Taylor is actually doing. Certainly not right. Taylor's big secrets about Peter. Um, I just want him to go at each other already. Because, because they're not friends. Neither one has anything left, really, to hide from the other, if you know what I mean. Like, don't play coy anymore. Like, it's time to have the big dynasty... Linda Evans, Joan Collins confrontations already. Have more than one, but get them started. I agree. I completely agree. I mean, it's time somebody ended up in that pool. It's right. You in know, fact, Kyle almost goes in the pool and doesn't even. Like, the pool needs 
people to fall in there. Yeah. It, well, that's the whole point. Like, why have a pool if people aren't going to fall in? I mean, some might say to swim, but okay, bygones. No, um, not on a nighttime soap opera. Not, Come on. There, I agree. Not no, on I mean, a nighttime soap opera. I agree. And you know, the thing that's so frustrating is like Amanda knows what's up, right? Like, she she's not a stupid woman. She knows there's something going on. And I think that it's kind of frustrating as the viewer and probably frustrating to the character to not be able to just go all balls out, right? On on Taylor. And and it doesn't it and truthfully, it doesn't really feel true to form here for Amanda. No, I mean we've talked about how Amanda in this season is um not just more sympathetic but I find more identifiable you know like she's a heroine now without being a victim but but we've never seen her to fight this hard both at work and for a relationship as we had but Amanda only takes so much shit right and she's taken and she's kept taking more shit than we're used to seeing Right. And it would be one thing if we watched her taking shit, if there was something going on in the background for her in terms of what she was like, she's just taking shit for the moment because she's plotting something really great. But we don't even see her plotting anything. She's just taking shit. No, exactly. Yeah. So. So, so, okay. Some other Amanda stuff happens. She's Craig asks Amanda out to dinner. You go, you know, she is in. She's lost her office because Craig has taken. She's in one of those, the you know, window. He's offices. in Brooks' old like, office, please. right? What? <laughs> He's in Brooks' old office. <laughs> I think it is Brooks' old office. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Craig asks Amanda out to dinner. He's like, I didn't like the. Way, I know you left upset when we were in Santa Barbara. And it's like, well, yeah, because her husband just came in and made an ass of himself. Um, but she tells him to get out. And also, Craig walks in on Amanda, um, but she's on the phone. And that's Kyle inviting him to a party they're throwing at Kyle's restaurant. So that'll come back in with a couple of the storylines. They talk about that. Uh, I, I, uh, going through Amanda's stuff, I, I think I skipped over the fact that, that uh, they've already shown others being invited to said party. Um, but, but that's something... That's out there. Um, I guess I should. Um, I don't think we have much other Amanda stuff until that party. So let's let's get a couple of these other stories out of the way. Okay, perfect. Who well, are we going? I think I think we can do all of Jane. Is that is that are you exhaling in in exasperation with this story? Yeah. This story sucks. This story sucks. I mean, okay, first of all, why does Jane's mom have so much luggage? Like like they just she's just like hanging out with Jane cross town. It's like she it's like she moved from Florida to California. Well, second of all, my question is where is she staying? We're still not clear if Jane's apartment is a one bedroom or a two bedroom. So Sam might already be on the floor. Like is Shell is is Sherry <laughs> under the thing? <laughs> Sam sleeping in the bathtub. <laughs> so, so, I mean, that's but why apparently... she spent the night at Billy's. <laughs> yeah, right. It that was too crowded move... at Jane's. <laughs> I'd go in any direction. Yeah. Um. 
so we're now just after the holiday, and Sherry has moved in to spend time with Jane before Christmas even happened. So it's been like a couple weeks, um, during which time Jane is completely icing out her family. We find out that the mom keeps calling from Chicago, and Jane ignores her calls. Um, so Sid finally like loses it and calls out Sherry for destroying her family. Now. Jane is really the problem here. Jane's really being an asshole here. But, right. but you know, Sherry is an adult and the mother figure, in addition to being the biological mom right now. So, you know, she might as well take some accountability for it. So then Sherry pouts and Jane embraces her and tells Sid that, to get out. And Sherry's like, no, no, no. I need to go back to my apartment and my life. So Jane goes to visit Sherry. Well, Jane gets mad at her for saying, I want to go back to my life, doesn't she? Like, she's, like, they have, like, a fight. Because Jane's like, no, you're my mother and you stay here. <laughs> yeah, she does say that. Yeah. Like it's just, Jane, it's just, Jane's all sorts of possessive right now for someone she yeah. never met. Well, that's the thing. Like, I can't wrap my head around. Like, this is, okay, great. This is your bio mom, right? And I get that you want to get to know her and spend time with her. But she's suddenly, like, very protective of her and very, and, like, this woman, like, keeps lying to her about who she is, who her dad is, what the situation was. Like, she's, like, she just keeps lying. And, and, but she's still, but Jane is still like, no, but you're my mom. And so she's, like, got this bond with this woman that she doesn't even know this. And it's not, so it's, it's, it just rings very, very untrue. And it's, it's kind of like a fruitless story because I don't need a redemption for this woman that we've never met on the show. Right. 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 Why, now why, I will say, why do we care? We don't like, that's the thing. We really don't. Right. Like I do care about Sid because we've known her for four years. I do care about Jane's parents because we've sort of known them for four years. Well, yeah, but you know, even in this situation, I mean, I care about Sid because I love Sid and I care about Sid, but even in this situation, like Sid is the heartbroken sister, but I mean, come on, right? Like all oh, of well, the definitely, shit, in that respect, definitely come on, yeah. You know, all the shit that they had been through and it just seemed to be like this, like slate wiped clean because all of a sudden Sid is like, after everything I did for you with the, after the rape and Richard, after the and rape, I was like, after, and after Richard, <laughs> yeah. But what about the for that, like when you tried to kill her, when you stole when you her stole husband, her ex-husband, yeah. when you got a prostitute to sleep with her fiance, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what about but, all that? Okay, so that's if you flip that, that would have been a great scene for Jane to push it away and be like, I never want to speak to you again. You say that we're close now, but think about all the times when you did X and Y and Z, but they don't, don't do that. that. Don't they don't that. like mine your history, even if you have a bad current storyline, mine the history. To that point, it is a total missed opportunity, unless I am wrong, that now that Michael is back in Melrose Place, he doesn't have any conversations with Jane. Nope, nothing. You know, like, wouldn't it be great for Jane to talk to Michael and be like, oh, and now you have divorced Kimberly, the person you've been with because that broke up our marriage four years ago. Like, some acknowledgement. Or Sid, for that matter. Right. There, there hasn't been any any re reaction from Sid, has there? I don't think Sid has even seen Michael. With Michael moving back in, and especially knowing, like, Kimberly was her arch nemesis for a very long time. Yeah, she framed it for murder. Yeah. But, no, nothing. We get nothing. It's like they're strangers. Yeah. 
Anyway. And to my knowledge, the I mean, at least the head writers, the ones that are attributed with individual episodes are the same names that I've seen since seasons two and three. But but it's like they just don't. It's like they don't remember, which tells me they just don't care. Yeah. Which is fine in a sense. I get it because this is 90s primetime TV and they really didn't care. But I care. Yeah, but I mean, with with soaps like Dynasty and the, like, didn't they did remember their history, right? I mean, I wasn't a big mm. like. Did did was it this sort of like, kind of weird, for those yeah. shows too? Yeah, I think those shows were even worse. Really, I think they were written like season to season for sure. Yeah, and they would just forget about something that happened like you know, think, season two, like season well, to season. I think for shows that were more based around the family, some things were inevitable. You'd remember like, you'd know who was married because they'd have kids that were cousins and nieces and stuff. And you had to be aware of that before you got the next couples together, that sort of thing. But you wouldn't, they didn't necessarily remember individual stories from two or three, or in the case of Dallas and Dynasty, eight, nine, 10 years prior. Well, I mean, I don't know. I just kind of think that's kind of fucked up because when you when I think about a show like The Love Boat and they would have Charo on over and over again, she they, she was always the same character and they always brought up something like when you were on the cruise last time, remember what happened? Like so if a show like that could could remember their history, like why not why not the soaps? But, you know, it's not only the soaps. I mean, ER would have inconsistencies. LA Law would have inconsistencies. I do credit that more with the fact that new writers were coming in and just they just didn't know. But, yeah, I mean, we're talking, look, TV's a writer's medium, but it also was like a writer's can just do whatever they want medium. <laughs> and if they don't want to pay attention, they don't have to. <laughs> Apparently, yes. <laughs> um, All right, so Jane, so, Jane's so, mom moves out. So, right. So then Jane goes back to check on her mom and it's the middle of the day and she's not there. Um, and we find out she's also not at work. The boss at the house where she once pretended to live uh, has said she didn't come in. So, of course, Ed, the neighbor, sees Jane knocking and he has all the answers. He's, he's like, I think I know where she is. And he, he has figured out who Jane has been all along because over time, Sherry at one point has told him the truth that she gave a girl up for adoption. Um, so he knows, he gets it. And he takes Jane with him to a bar where Sherry is having like a major bender falling off the wagon. Um, it's actually a nice bender scene, you know, and Sherry says she is scared and she's so sorry and she just wants this to work and she's afraid of letting Jane down. And it's actually nice work. It is it's nice work. It's just a yes. story that doesn't add anything to the Melrose universe. Right. I remember when I was watching it, I was like, Donna Mills is doing some beautiful work here. It is too bad that it means absolutely nothing. That's exactly what it is. And we agree. It's right. That's right. Um, all in service of really nothing. So this is one of my problems with this season. Um, there's, everyone is an island. Every storyline is moving in its own direction on the periphery. They're not intersecting, which was, I think, the hallmark of Melrose, among other shows. Um, like, none of these are tying together. Like, they're not moving forward to even intersect. Jane is doing something with a guest star. Sid, right now, is doing something with a guest star. 
Amanda's interaction is primarily with someone who's not in the opening credits. Billy's primary interaction is with someone who's brand new and doesn't really intersect with anyone else. Matt's major interaction is with someone who's off to the side. Michael's main interaction is with mm. someone who's not in the opening credits. Like, none of these are colliding at all. Right. Even when we have big scenes, like even last year, we had that big Christmas scene where Jane had the stroke and all of our actors were there. Yeah, that's we true. Had, we had a scene at the auction at the, the pre-Christmas episode and it lasted for about three seconds and Matt and Dan were there and didn't inter interact with anyone and Billy and Sam and Sid were there and didn't interact with anyone and Kyle and Taylor were up to the side and nothing happened. We're going to have a similar scene at Kyle's again this week where nothing happens. Like these things should all come together and they're not. And that to me is the biggest missed opportunity. I agree. So, so that's basically it for Jane. Um, I guess, um, let's talk about Sam and Sid. Uh, yeah. I think, so. so we're back with Sam and the stupid ass paintings. And by stupid ass, I mean, they're ugly and they're amateurish and they're stupid. But you wouldn't know that from this show, which is like Da Vinci himself has moved into Melrose Place. <laughs> they are terrible. I mean, they they're just really so juvenile. And I know, you know, the funny thing is Melrose Place has got, has, has some renown for their props. Like, like, like I've read articles about how smart their props are, like the background pieces, particularly the art, you know, or like a t-shirt will have like, will be completely, you know, pretty important, or there'll be like prints or something on the wall that actually have sort of meaning. Um, so these are the props and set team, you know, the design team kind of had... I mean, some some could argue more thought behind it than the actual writers did in the writing room. One would think at this point that's the truth, yeah. And so for these paintings to be particularly as bad as they are is a little shocking to me. And I do have to wonder if the art department here is making some sort of commentary on the show at this point. I think you're giving them more credit than is earned, but I'm not going to fight that. I mean, honestly, though, it's fun to think about. It's, it is great fun to think about. Taking it down from the inside. But yeah, the, t the paintings are pretty awful. Yeah, so, it, so it's ridiculous to think that, that anyone is going to want to spend money on them, let alone more than one person. But this is where we are. So but here we okay. are, yes. <laughs> so Sam is confronting Sid at Melrose Place again about the that she she wants the money for these paintings and she and Sam will find out is having money issues. But right. whatever. Um and and she figures out almost too quickly for Sam that Sid has sold it to the guy who was bidding against her for the painting. As we saw last week, she brought it over and that's how she met Carter, aka Chad though. While Sam is talking to Sid, she gets a call from Carter, um, who basically invites her to an event that's happening at his mansion. Um, and and Sid doesn't, like, give an inch to Sam, even though Sid is in the wrong. 
I'm still on Team Sid because I love Sid and I hate Sam. And, like, Sam is so dumb. Like, I just don't care. I don't want right. Sam to succeed. So I'm Team Sid. Um, and and so Sam has no paintings. Sam has no money. And Billy sees Sam literally just pouting on the stairs at Melrose. And she explains she doesn't have enough money. She didn't go home to Maryland for Christmas. Was going to go home for a family reunion. Um, but can't afford it. And this money would have helped her. And he goes, he offers her a loan. And, and then retracts because of the whole thing with she wouldn't take keep taking money from Craig because of quid pro quo. And so, so he's like, all right, you're right. It's a, it's a bad idea. Um, and then later, they were going to go to the birthday party at Kyle's, but they never make it there because Sam went to the manager who was selling her paintings and finds out that someone who looks a lot like Billy has bought all of them. And she goes and walks into his apartment and opens every door and and then then he like prevents her from opening the closet door and she asks and finally opens the closet and sees that Billy has bought all of her paintings, so now she has enough money if she had wanted to to go to the family reunion. But she doesn't go to the family reunion. But she doesn't reunion. go to the family reunion. <laughs> she goes to Billy's and ends up spending the night with Billy because now that he has bottle her paintings she sees that he's a good guy and then they have this disgusting moment before they do it where she talks about how sexy he is and he's like me i'm not sexy you're sexy and i go this this is the rest of my notes they do it they are awful this is embarrassing and then billy hangs up the paintings the next morning that's that's what i have for the rest of this story right <laughs> I that's yeah I didn't even take notes there I was like no the only thing that sort of like stuck out to me was like right before they we see that they're gonna hook up like Billy wraps his like they have like a shot of Billy wrapping his hand around her the inside of her thigh and she's wearing jeans. oh yeah they do you're right, you're right. I the remember they showed him reach for inside her thigh yeah it is the strangest shot and you're just, and I'm just got and there's like no there are no heads there are no there it's not even like a body shot it is like a shot of her thigh and his hand grabbing it and it is the strangest shot i think uh, uh, i've ever seen on this series oh that reminds me of something i was just listening a week or two ago to a podcast do you know adam rothenberg mhm mm he has a podcast called bearing it all mhm mm and he interviewed someone who is now on a daytime soap, but she had guest starred on an episode of Melrose. And I think it's the second season. And she talked about, she's in a scene, and I only sort of remember it. You might remember it better. Um, she's got like an Italian, maybe mob dad, and Billy is dating her. And they have a scene where he's having dinner with the family. Um, and she basically just talked about how the character is supposed to like grab Billy's groin and he like reacts shocked. And she said Andrew Shu wasn't giving the reaction that they needed. It wasn't very convincing. So <laughs> wow, what a surprise. He wasn't really grabbing his groin. Surprise, surprise. Um, so the director basically told her to do that and surprise him by doing that in the next take. And she did. And that's the only way they got a believable reaction from Andrew Shu. And I'm like, all of this adds up 100% to me. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds right. That does sound about right. Although it begs the question, 
could that note be given now on a set? No, in fact, they mentioned that, that she says, you know, this was the 90s, this was way before Me Too, this was way before a lot of, you know, restrictions were put in place. Um, you probably could not get away with that uh, to a male actor. You definitely could not get away with that with an, an actress. Well, you know, then is it a, it's a good thing that Andrew Shue's not working anymore because how else would you be able to elicit the, the reactions that you need from him, apparently? Well, we're, we're all in luck because he's not working in the industry anymore either. God bless. <laughs> so uh, there's no more with Sam and Billy, but there is a bit more with Sid. Which um, is and I feel like this is probably the highlight of the episode for you. Yes. Um, we see Sid pulling up to this event at Carter's mansion in her crappy car, the bad transmission. Backfiring. Like it's backfiring constantly <laughs> as she's driving up the, the driveway. Um, and he's like just a sweet, good billionaire. Like he's like, he's, he's the brains, but he's yeah. socially like very lovely. And, um, like he's smitten with her. He hates all of the bells and whistles of these events. And he takes her in the kitchen to make a grilled cheese. And she's very put off because she's like, but there's caviar, you know, there's all this nice food everywhere. I saw the buffet. It didn't look that nice, but I get her point. Um, and, she, and she's and like, he, don't you have staff to make your grilled cheese? <laughs> yeah. And the point for him is like, he hates being a big deal. He just wants to be able to do normal down to earth things. And she gets it. Um, <laughs> And and then he has to sort of leave her because he's got to be the star of the focal point of this fundraiser. And, you know, he's part of it is he's gifted this car, this beautiful sports car. Yes. Um, and I mean, it's just crazy that someone this rich and famous has no one. And that all he has is someone like Sid to stand by him at an event like this. But he really seems to genuinely care for her out of like no time at all. Um, and after the event, after all the people at least have dispersed, he gives her the car. Yeah. Um, so she, you know, she demurs a little bit, but then she takes it. Um, and we see her come back the next day or maybe a couple days after. And she goes, she can't accept the car. But then he convinces her like, no, look, this was a gift to me. And you said you love your, this car. It's your dream car. So please take it. And she goes, okay, he convinces her. And that's when Walter, his business associate and kind of keeper, um, comes to get him for a, a, I think it's a video call, he says. And it's clear, like, this guy is the bad news. It's, there are pros with Carter, the pros being Carter seems lovely, and there are cons with Carter. And the cons are Walter seems to kind of be a real negative Nick. Yeah. Um, and there will be more of that. I don't know if we said it in last week's episode, probably worth repeating anyway, that he is probably best known for playing Jackie Childs, the Johnny Cochran knockoff on Seinfeld around the same time in the oh, 90s. Oh, okay. I did not know that. I want to say before I forget is that both Chad Lowe and uh, Laura Layton play parent characters on Pretty Little Liars. So that's a nice little reunion for the two of them 15 years down the road. Oh. And that's all I got there. Um, there's a little bit of Jake and Allison. Uh, like, not much. I don't even remember what they did. Well, there's, this, there's this, like, cute scene where, you know, they get this official legal document that says 
that calls them Mr. and Mrs. Hansen. Yeah, right? I don't understand Matt that. Is at the bar. Yeah, I didn't yeah. understand it either. And I, I don't know if it was Matt's last day at the bar. I don't know if it was he had worked a couple shifts during the holidays and was picking up his paycheck. I don't know. But it's cute because Matt is like making fun of them, calling them Mr. and Mrs. Hansen. And it's that kind of bonding with the OGs that I love. So it's cute. And that's basically about it. Less cute is a scene at Dan's house where Matt has been drinking from a bottle of white wine alone and Dan comes home and he's like firing a toy gun it, it, around the kitchen when Dan comes in and like it already like is enough to throw Dan, who is a recovering alcoholic. And while Matt is a recovering pill addict, I don't really think seven seconds after finishing rehab, it's good for Matt to be guzzling a bottle of white wine on his own. But here we are. Um, and so Matt tells Dan that they're going to go to Kyle's birthday party. And this is like the fun gift that he bought. And it escalates really quickly because yes. Matt, he doesn't want him drinking. Um, and Matt, in like a very bitchy sort of way, comes back at him. He's like, I'm the one with the pill addiction. You're the one who's into alcohol. And then Dan like punches him and starts beating the shit out of Matt. Right. But it Matt- like real quick. Yeah, but Matt pretty much like gets like gets up and kind of like oh god, I don't know, um re- like in fighting form and he fights back. It's not like he's he getting fight his... back. Yeah, yeah. It's, no no, it's not like he's being pounded into the floor. Um and he leaves. He's able to to he's able to fight back and free himself and leave. Not permanently, not the situation, just that that scene. Um and I think that's all we get. Yeah, yeah, Um, which is weird because you do something like that and you kind of, and but then like that's all you see and like you do something like that and that's kind of something, like why, why drop it, right? Like why drop it? So we either, this should either be the end of stuff between Matt and Dan or then this should be followed by a scene with Matt and someone. Quite frankly, it should be a scene with Amanda because we know that she has been in an abusive relationship in the past and give some sort of advice or lend an ear. But this is all we get. Yeah, this is this is it. Because they're spreading these storylines so thin just to give someone a story. I mean, this whole thing with Matt could have been two episodes. Instead, they're making it eight episodes of short trips. Um... I, I guess we could talk about... I'm going to save Michael's stuff until the end, and there's a little bit more with Amanda and Peter, but I do want to get to Kyle's by now. Okay. Um, the party, you mean? Yeah, for, for the actual birthday party. Which Because like I said, okay, they've talked about it. Almost every character has said, Kyle's birthday, Kyle's party tomorrow, Kyle's birthday tonight. So this should be a big momentous part of the episode. It's this not. Should be, this should be the climax. It's this should not. be what all the roads have been leading up to. And like you said, nope. No. <laughs> I mean, I think we have one scene there and it's that's it. stupid. That's, that's, that's exactly right. So we have, we have no Sid interaction with Kyle and Taylor. Sid's not at the party. But Sid is the one who like should be there because Taylor hates her and she's working at Kyle's part-time now. Um, and she still got feelings for Kyle. So the fact that we've no Sid is bad. So we have Amanda, who... Why was she there? 
Well, so Kyle called her and invited her, but, you know, Kyle, I mean, there is a scene where Kyle is yelling at Taylor because he says, we are partly responsible for Amanda and Peter breaking up. So they have separately called Amanda and Peter to come to this party, I guess, to try and help them patch things up, or at least that's what Kyle thinks could happen. Um, but all we get is Amanda sitting at the bar with Allison and Jake nearby, and it doesn't sound like Allison and Jake are really nearby because they're friends with Amanda now. Just seems like that's where they have ended up at this party. They don't know that she and Peter have broken up. Allison asks Amanda something about Peter, and Amanda says something snotty about how she doesn't care. And they're like, okay. And then Peter does show up, looking all Steve McQueen and his blazer and turtleneck. Uh, <laughs> and it's really like he's there for two seconds before Amanda leaves. Yeah. So here we go. Two episodes in a row, second big event at Kyle's that proves to be sheer anticlimax. I mean, there's, I don't think anything else significant happened at this event. No, I think that was it. Um, so I think what happens after that is, I think it's the next morning, and that's well, when we see Kyle at the pool. And he's like, he's like bouncing a, a, a juggling a beach ball from one hand to the other, asking Taylor to come down and join him. And Taylor calls Peter, gets his voicemail. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when we see Peter on his own at a cafe, right? Right. So there's this little moment. And at first you think that's going to be the whole scene. Someone asks Peter if he can borrow his other the other chair at his table he says sure then he gets pissed off that it's this younger couple in love kind of canoodling at a table near him so he's like it won't last or something like that something bitter yeah yeah starts walking away all of a sudden this car comes like right up she crashes right up onto the sidewalk it's an older couple and there's an elderly woman at the wheel and she has passed out at the wheel just slumped over yeah yeah and so they're like, is there a doctor, blah, blah, blah. And so Peter kind of hesitates for a second. And then he goes like, balls out in doctor mode. He's like, I'm a doctor. Yeah, I know what to do. He's like, okay, this is what you have to do. Take her out. Someone get me a knife. Make sure you hold her head. And he basically does a trick on the woman. He does so a tracheotomy. He does a trick on her with a knife. The, the weird thing about he asks for a knife there's a crowd obviously has formed by now and some youngish man with a switchblade or a Swiss army knife is the one who gives him the knife, but they're right outside the cafe. No one from the cafe was able to give him a knife. I thought that was weird. But well, anyway. I was like, why the hell does this lady need a tracheotomy? We don't know what was wrong with her. We don't know if it was a stroke or if she was tired. We don't I mean, know what it was, like, but she can't he- breathe. He says he her windpipe is crushed and she yeah. needs a tracheotomy. And I'm like, why? And then they see he does it. They have the blood spurting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you know, he blows in. He's able to do the whole thing. Yeah. So Peter, I guess, has got his groove back. Yeah, he's a, he's a doctor again. Oh, either that, he just completely killed this woman. Um, one, one or the other. But that wouldn't the be other. the first woman he killed this season. No, um, and then we have a scene, um, Amanda is watching Fox football when Craig comes by. They make it very clear, it's Fox football, it's a Saturday, she's home eating chips and salsa, watching TV. Um, and it's like, since when was she a big football fan? 
But yeah, first we heard about this, but okay. These questions are not answered. Um, and Craig, like, again, Alpha's his way in. He joins her. He kind of does it without an invitation. But Amanda, for like all of her talk about being like, all right, fine, but don't say anything. Or, all right, fine, you're not going to eat my chips. She Yeah, she's just like, give me my chips. She <laughs> doesn't. She doesn't seem like it is unwelcome. No. Like she 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 doesn't seem put upon. So so there that's where we leave them. Watching watching some football. Um and I think I've covered everything now, but Kimberly Michael made. Yes. Um and so that is where the episode ends. So I figured that's what we would say for last. Kimberly brings the divorce papers to Michael's office. In fact, I think the way it works is Michael comes to his office and Kimberly is already there having let yeah. herself in waiting for yeah. him. Waiting. Which, okay. Um, and, you know, Michael is looking at the divorce papers and Kimberly walks over to the window and um, Marsha Cross does a really good job of just like her face breaks, you know, because this is not what she wants to do. And obviously she's not telling him any of the truth about her illness, which of course she should be doing, but fine. Um, and it's a dumb kind of thing, but it's a moment that is nonetheless well played by Marsha Cross. She's just too proud to tell him anything. Um, and and she leaves and Peter comes in and that's when Michael focuses on the thing about, well, Amanda only packed one box, so maybe there's hope. And they still are having patient issues. But as we see with the Peter thing, hopefully that will go away. And later we see Megan come to Kimberly at the beach house. Kimberly is drinking margaritas, talking about, you know, when you're dying, nothing else bad can happen. Um, and, you know, she keeps telling Megan that, you know, you need to just keep moving forward with the Michael plan. And Megan hints in bed with Michael that she wants to go away for a weekend and eventually gets him to commit to going to Vegas. And Megan comes to Kimberly uh, at the beach house to report on her progress, as it were. Um, and Kimberly tells Megan about the like multiple accidental death and dismemberment insurance <laughs> policies. She's they're all like screwed about on the counter. Yeah. And like I don't really get how that works, but I've never been in that position to like need to act on them. So I don't know. Um, but as Megan is thanking Kimberly for you know she's doing this for Michael, but it's ultimately changing Megan's life. Um, we see Michael come by the beach house and see the two of them talking. And now, obviously, his curiosity is piqued. So I don't know. But I you, know don't what know. I, you know what I feel about the, the Michael Megan stuff? Excuse me, the Michael Kimberly stuff, really. I just think it's all big fan disservice. They can fight, they can break up, they can make up, they can do whatever, but, but have, them, have them be driving scenes with each other and going nuts with each other don't have them keeping all these dumb secrets and then secretly pining for each other because yes. whatever their connection is it's like it's bombastic it's combusted it's not subtle it's not silent so that's why this isn't working for me and the thing is they're probably our two best players currently working the canvas maybe except for sid and these storylines aren't playing into any of their strengths agreed and on top of it, like, he cheated. Yeah. yeah do, do you know what I mean? And yeah. I mean, she set I, it up, but she set he didn't it up, know but, it, and yeah. so he cheated, yeah. Like, he cheated, and how is that okay? 
not only not only did he cheat, but but he's got a whole like next chapter just waiting for him. He wins. Yeah. Yeah. And and like and yeah, and it's not only that he cheated, it was like, I'm gonna, you know, he's keeping her as another woman, even though he's dead broke. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, this is a situation where Michael wants to have his cake and eat it too. And, you know, I we love us some Michael being a cad, but like, this is kind of a bridge too far for me. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. You know, like it, like it really is. It's like either you love your wife or you're ready to move on. Like this is, this is too much. Like it's too much. And I could understand if he found out that she was dying and suddenly had a case of the guilt and that's what was driving it, but he still doesn't know. So nothing is really driving this, um, this pining. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree. They're holding on to this secret too long. I mean, I've said that about Taylor as well, right. but this one is for me more annoying. Yeah. And I believe that's the episode. I think it is too. I think we're done here. I think we're done here too. So you guys, that was the block. Um, I want to wish you a happy Halloween. And by the time we record our next episode, you will probably not hear it until after the election. So I'm going to wish you a healthy and good luck election day, whatever you want to happen. But Karen, yeah, I just yeah, I'll just keep quiet. Yeah, we just we just hope we're still alive to record. Yeah, I just don't want to be. Yeah, I know. Anyway, um, so we're gonna talk about some spooky stuff on the boulevard. Yes, yes join us on the boulevard. We're having a very special Halloweeny episode um, on the boulevard. So join us over there, please. Please do. We hope to see you there, and we hope against hope to catch you back here on the block next week. Bye. Bye.